You see, there was a notion somewhere along the line in my early adulthood and, and young childhood life, my, my formative years, where I picked up the belief that, that shaped my, my life and my actions for a lot of my young adulthood. And I'm not quite sure where it came from, but nevertheless, it was there. And somehow, I had come to the reasoning that perfect people were more lovable. You know, we go into the grocery store, and we see that nice ripe banana or apple or tomato center, and it just looks so pretty. We we see on the television screen that they, they make this food look so good, and then when you go to try it, you're like, man, that's not what I saw. But it happens in a lot of things in, in our lives and, and what we do, right? We, we see one thing when in reality it was a mirage. It was something that we thought was true. And somehow I was under the belief that people that were perfect or had it all together or seemingly had it all together, that their lives were easier and more put together. I thought that if I was perfect in the things that I was doing and how I was, that the important people around me would love me and that ultimately God would love me too. You see, church, a belief is something that we consider either consciously or subconsciously consciously as a truth for us. Now, if we have something made up in our mind, it doesn't matter who it is or what it is that told you, that's the truth. You can be flat, dead wrong. Some might say the world is flat. We know that not to be the case, but if you believe that to be true, no one's going to change your mind about that. You say that we don't have a moon or we don't have a stars or someone could tell you that your eyes are brown when in reality they're green and it doesn't matter what they could say. You believe that and that thought will stick with you. See, I don't ever remember saying out loud that I needed to be perfect to be loved by others, but rather it was a belief system that along the line I built brick by brick in my mind. It was slowly formed and slowly put together over my formative years. And I think the mantra comes to mind, I think, therefore, I am. See, church, we can get a thought or an idea, no matter where it comes from, lodged up between these ears in our gray matter, and it, it can do some serious rattling around in there and, and cause some serious issues for all of us from time to time. Whether it be true or untrue, it gets stuck, and that mantra stays with us. You see, these so-called beliefs and these self-truths that we build, they affect our attitudes, our choices, our behaviors. But I think most of all, they affect our expectations of who we are and who other people should be. You see, on the outside, maybe we're doing all the right things and, and, and everything on the outside appears to be right. But on the inside, those inner gears aren't quite working. They're not quite oiled up enough. They're rubbing together, creating friction, because ultimately the truth that we build in our mind, if it's not built on a solid foundation, then that truth is broken. And sometimes broken things can run a long time. And sometimes broken things can run so long that we don't even realize that they're broken because we get used to it being that way. But you see, on the inside, the motivations in that thought process and the reasoning for thinking that way, it didn't quite make sense. 
there was a peace inside that that allowed me to realize there was a voice inside me that that realized what you think you believe isn't true. And I thank God for the voice that he put in me that he stuck right there in the middle of that fallacy or that brokenness in my heart that I thought was right. You see, God in my life decided to shine a light on the broken things so that way I could see more clearly. So that way I could slowly start to realize what was broken on the inside. See, church, it's our beliefs. If our beliefs are not based in truth or reality, then our beliefs will be built on sinking sands and falsehoods. Quicksand comes to mind. If you've ever been stuck in quicksand or know anything about it, it doesn't pull you down quickly. You get stuck, and it's a slow, slow pull in a downward direction. The more that you try to push against that situation, the more things shake up and get you pushed down and sunk in. See, the Bible says in John 8, 32, that God wants our lives to be built on his truth, not our self-designed truth. God wants us to become more like him, not more like what we think we should be or how we think others should be. We can find this in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. See, God wants to take captive our thoughts and examine them in the truth of his word. Not reinforce our own ideas or our own beliefs. This can be found in 2 Corinthians 10 and 5. You see, church, it is our belief system and our internal thought process that determines our perspective. It impacts how we react to criticisms, criticisms respond to crises, and navigate daily life. It is something that is stuck in this that, that never goes away. From the time you're able to have coherent thought and reasoning until the time that you die or, or no longer have the mental, mental fortitude, your reasoning, your thoughts are going to be with you for all eternity, for all the time that you exist. And I would dare to say that sometimes our thoughts can last beyond our mortal bodies. How many of us have ever had a journal or written things down? Yeah, quite a few of us. Who's ever heard of Anne Frank? Quite a few of us. You see, those words that we put down, those thoughts that are in our mind that we put down paper can last well beyond, beyond us, church. You see, our beliefs reinforce the stories that we tell ourselves and the stories that we tell others. And sometimes we can get in a spot to where we want to prove ourselves right or our minds want to say that we're right so bad that we look for and we search for proof that supports our belief. You want to find it, we're going to find it. You, you, want, you want to stay in the, in the darkness and believe that you should be in the darkness, guess what? You're going to sit in your own filth. It takes a lot for us to be able to make up our minds and get ourselves out of a situation. And sometimes we're not going to move out of that situation on our own. It takes an outside force to, to push and to nudge us out of it. Amen? You see, we, at times we can believe that we are failures. And if we believe that in our minds, then we're going to conform to that truth by noticing all the bad things that we do you're going to find a way to point out all those 
thorns and all those thistles about who you are. And they're going to be magnified. And all while doing so, we can overlook the good things that the Lord has done for us and the good things that have been bestowed upon who we are. You see, I, I equate it to, to being a parent because some, sometimes as a young parent, and, and I know that, that this was true for myself back when my children were younger, that I thought that if a good parent says that they're going to do something and for whatever reason something comes up and they're not able to do that, there's a little bit of guilt that kind of winds up inside you. And so we start to feel bad. We start to have those outside voices start to penetrate that bubble. And it's not alone enough that it's our own thoughts doing it and our own minds going over those thoughts, but those outside influences, those outside lies are able to sink in and penetrate. And when we have that thought process of failure and and being no good, and our child decides for whatever reason, or or not decides, but let's say we do that, and then our child has a, a bad day that same week, then we can correlate in our minds that the two are equal to each other, that our child is having a bad day because we failed as a parent, or our child is having a a bad circumstance because we didn't do this or do that for them. And that's just one example of how we can get caught up in our mind and our thinking and how that roller coaster can get us stuck. I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a car that has a slipping transmission and you ever go to put it in gear and, and you're driving down the road and it just, you know it's bad, you know there's a problem, but yet it's, it's what you have. So you get stuck in that, that situation, right? And, and that's how the thought process or our thought process can be sometimes between the ears. You see, we believe that our lack of follow-through equals a child having a bad week or a bad day. And if we believe that the failure is ours, we will continue to confirm the failure by not noticing the truths around us. It might seem silly, but I think at times in our lives, everyone in this room and at some point has had this happen to them on some level. Maybe not the exact example that I gave you, but there's been an example similar to that in our lives where we've been stuck in the lies of not only that that we've told ourselves, but in the lies that we've believed that other people and the world have told us. See, if we really take stock, I think it would shock us to realize just how negative our internal dialogue can be at times. It's easy for us to point out the grimy things about ourselves. It's easy for us to point out the not so seemly things when we're having internal dialogue and magnify those to become things that there aren't. For lack of a better term, turning that molehill into a mountain. We make it bigger than what it actually is. And, and when we start to do that, like I said, we open the door for those outside lies and those outside influences to, to penetrate our minds. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, church, the choice is ours. The the choice is 
our choice whether we decide to say, you know what, I'm going to believe that little crack of light that shined into my life. I'm going to step over here a little bit further into that light and get warm. How many of us have been outside on a cold day and the sun peeks through and you can feel that warmth on your face? It's just that little bit of sunshine. You see, the choice has to be ours to step in and embrace that light that's peeking through. And, and, and I know I'm using a lot, of, a lot of metaphors, but it's just the best way, folks, that I, I can describe kind of what it feels like. If we're to put our feelings into action or into motion. You see, it's our choice to change our beliefs to a form and system of beliefs that line up with the word of God. We have the choice to do this, or we can continue to keep cultivating our false belief system. We can continue to dig ourselves in that hole and watch the sand fall back down on our heads. Or we can get a hold of God's word, and we can truly see what it says about who you are and who I am. There's so many verses, and I don't have them all listed here. And I'm sure that many of us can think of many of verses in the Bible where God talks about who we are, where the Lord talks about having an expected end for us, knowing that our thoughts aren't his and that he wants good things and he wants us to prosper and he, he wants us to have a changed, spirit-filled, empowered life. How he doesn't want us to be the person sitting in the darkness. You see, church, I would beg to say that if we have the ability to get out of our spiritual prison, we ought to do it. And we ought to claw and fight and scratch our way out. We ought to claw and fight and scratch our way into the light, into that warmth that he has given us. Amen? You see, changing what we believe in is challenging because it involves actively replacing our thought patterns. Because these thought patterns have been repeated for years or possibly decades within our minds. It's hard to change our habits. It's hard to change things. But I would say that if our goal is to live an overwhelmingly powerful Christian life, then we must conform our thoughts to what the Bible says about who we are. See, sometimes we don't like to do things because they are hard. I know that for me personally, if, if, if I loved working out, I'd do it every day and I'd probably be 100 pounds lighter, but it's hard. It's hard to do things that change who we are, not just physically, but on every level of who we are, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Change is hard because if if it was easy, we would all just do it and it, it would be okay. But at times, I think the hard change is what we need to have happen because that's what stays with us. Think of a a butterfly. It doesn't start off as a butterfly. It starts off as a caterpillar. And it builds its cocoon, and it goes inside that cocoon, and something starts to happen. It's called metamorphosis. A change starts to happen, and it's a process. And during that cultivation process inside the cocoon, something happens. A change begins to develop. The body starts to change. The the physiology starts to change. And when that butterfly emerges from the cocoon, it has a layer over it, and, and, and there's a technical name, and it's escaping me right now, but there's a t- technical name for that. It, there's, a, there's a film over that butterfly, and when it escapes, it has to sit there for a little while, and it, it has to dry out. It has to allow that 
that that moisture to, to soak into its wings so it can be stronger and get into the veins. And it can't just fly out of the cocoon one day and go off. The, the change is hard, so it has to rest a little bit. And I think that's important that when changes happen in our lives, that we stay in that change for a little bit, that we cultivate that change, dig it deeper into who we are. Amen? Amen. You see, when we look at the prospect of changing, I think it, this might sound silly, but I think it might be helpful and beneficial for us to think, what would Jesus think? What would Jesus think about this situation or this circumstance or these lies that I've been led to believe? You know, I know that for a long time there was that whole what would Jesus do movement, and it has its purpose. It's good. I'm I'm not saying it's wrong or bad, but how many people actually took stock in that? What would Jesus do? So I ask us tonight, church, if we would take stock in, in, for lack of a better term, WWJT, what would Jesus think? What would he think about where we are and what we're going through? Where would he think about what's going on between our ears today? See, transforming a belief system takes time. And I would say that the simple, simplest way for us to change our beliefs is to go big. Change the biggest belief or challenge the biggest belief about what the enemy has told you or what the lie is maybe that you've told yourself. Because if you can challenge that and topple that, the rest of the other little tinier beliefs will fall into place behind it. You see, if we look at my previous statement of feeling that I needed to be perfect and that I needed to earn God's love and the love of others, we can find out what the Lord has to say about that subject. So the Bible says that he loves us unconditionally. The Bible says that he delights in us. And most importantly here, the Bible says that we cannot earn the love of Christ. Can't do it. No how, no way. Nothing you or I will ever, ever, ever do is able to purchase that love. See, because the Bible says, for yet you were yet sinners, right? God knew where we are and who we were, yet he still chose. And the most beautiful thing about that is the Lord saw it all throughout time. Saw you, saw me, saw our children, saw every generation of us before and every generation of us that will come after. And said, because my love is so great for you, I am still going to do this. You see, when I decide to replace my self-truth of I need to earn God's love with his truth that I cannot earn his love, that he loves me unconditionally, I topple that false belief system. It gets knocked over. It gets shattered into a million pieces. And when it breaks, I ought to just leave it there. Sometimes when things break, we're just best to leave it alone. Let it be broken. Sweep it up into a pile if you want to. Push it off to the side as a reminder, but let the broken things stay broken. Because if God was allowing us to break it, we should stand in that truth. No matter what it is, if God moved it out of our way, then we ought to stand on it and stand firm. Amen?
See, by changing our minds and letting God topple it over, we find that our belief system is now transformed to a life built on a solid rock, which is God and his word. We find that our foundation is steady and built upon the rock which cannot be moved. The Bible says in Psalms 25 and 5, lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation, for I will wait on you all the day long. See, church, I think it's important that when we want to make a change in our belief system, when we want to make a change, we want to go through that metamorphosis of a Christian life from a babe in Christ to a mature person and beyond. First, we need to start with reading the word of God. But not only reading that word, we need to meditate on it. We need to let it soak into who we are. We need to let that word permeate every being and every part of us. You can go and read a scripture seven times over. Come back to it two or three years later, read that same scripture. And if we're thirsty enough and searching enough, God's going to show something different to you. Not that it wasn't there before, but it's because you've grown and matured and now you're able to soak in more of what God has for you through his word. Amen. See, we also need to be in tune and listen to the Holy Spirit and pray for God to reveal his truths in us. You see, we cannot begin to spot our wrong belief system unless we know the truth of God. It takes a little bit of something from him in us to shine the light. Secondly, I think we ought to examine our beliefs and learn that what we believe motivates our behaviors and our actions throughout everything that we do. A lot of times, folks, we do things and someone says, well, why did you do that? How many times have we said that to someone? Well, because. You see, there's never just a because. There's always something behind it. Whether we want to admit that something or not, the truth of the fact is it's still there. I, I, I chuckle a little bit because I remember Caleb when, when, when he was little and he would do something and I would ask him and he would just look at me and be like, and then he would walk away like he didn't have a care in the world. And I'm like, all right, well, as he got older and we were able to have conversations and talk about that, he would say, Dad, I, I remember. He goes, I know I shouldn't have done that. I just didn't want to say it. But the truth of that matter is that that's true for all of us at some point in our lives, right? Thirdly, church, I think we ought to take our thoughts captive and examine them and see if they line up with the truth of God. You want to find out if what we're thinking, if what we're doing, if what we're going through is lining up with the will of God? Measure it against his word. Measure it against what God has spoken into your life. And I know that this isn't always an easy thing to do, to, to examine and search out. And sometimes it's a very difficult thing for us to take the time to do that. But I would say that if you're completely honest with yourself, 100% honest with yourself, God's going to show you some things. He's going to move some things out of the way so that you can, you can see it. If you ask him in truth and you ask him in honesty, he'll reveal it to you. It's just a matter of what we decide to do with the truth. It's a matter of we allow ourselves to replace God's truth with the world's lies. You see, fifthly, we need to remind ourselves that God's truths are real and they exist. 
over and over and over again. There's a reason why God told us through his word, through the writers of his word, it says, pick up your cross and follow me, right? There's a reason why the writer says, you must die daily. You see, we have to put those truths in front of us until there's nothing else left. That means a daily, consistent, dedicated amount of time that we put the word and the truth of God before our eyes and in our minds. That way God can take out the stony heart and put in a heart of flesh. You see, these tasks, when we catch ourselves thinking of false truths, when we catch ourselves falling back and along that quicksand, we need to remind ourselves that the tasks need to be repeated day after day until we've adopted the truth and know that it's his truth and have completely replaced the lies that the world put inside of us. So there are certain things that, that God commands us to do that if you read the scriptures, you'll see he told them to cut it all off. Don't leave any of it behind. Take it all out. More than once through the Old Testament, if we read the books, why? Why did he tell them to, to kill off all of it? Because it takes one little piece of it to grow back with inside of us. It takes one small piece of that root to grow back. And it might take five years, 10 years, 20 years, however long it is. But the fact of the matter is it will grow back. And it'll slowly try to choke out the truth that God has put in you. So it's important for us to daily keep it before us, daily read the word of God. Amen. The Bible tells us in Corinthians 10, 3 and 5, and I'm going to, I know that for a lot of us, we read the King James Version, but I'm going to read a different version just, just so we can hear it in a different light. It's the same scripture. It means the same thing. It just puts it in a little bit different thought frame here. It says, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. every thought into obedience through continual, constant prayer, pushing down, pressing into what God has for us. You see, there are so many ways to invite the truth into our everyday lives. And as I close this evening, I'd like to share just a few. See, we ought to memorize the scripture verses so that way they reinforce the key truths that God is trying to teach us. Keep the word in our hearts, church. Keep it there. Not only for yourself, but someday someone's going to come asking something of you. And that way you can stand firm in that day and give them the scriptures as they should be. That way you can share it with someone. Amen? You see, in those times where we find ourselves being batted to and fro, not only by the thoughts that are in between our ears, but by the thoughts that are from the outside influences, we ought to sing praises to God to remind us of the truths and promises he put into our lives. 
Next, I think we ought to be praying on the word of God and asking him to knit his truth into every fiber of our being. Because by asking, it opens the door and invites God to come in and move freely in the way that he wants to move in our lives. Finally, the the last point I would like to say is that meditating on the scripture helps us reflect of what kind of person we want to be. It allows us to see the lies for what they are. It allows us to see the outside influences for what they are, whether we put them there or someone else put them there. It shines a light and makes it known for us to be able to deal with it. And I would say this, church, as as I come to a close, as we commit to this process of renewal, the world's truth will be replaced with God's truth in our thoughts and in our minds, and they will be built on solid ground if only we stay true and keep in his word. And what a glorious day of victory that will be for all of us when we get that revelation. Amen. Praise God. As Sister Tamara comes, these altars are open. I encourage all of us this evening to find a place, take a few moments, pray on that thought or those situations that have been coming against you in this last little while and ask God to reveal them. And when he does, step into that glory. Amen.